Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a revolutionary new daily fantasy game whereby you pick two, three, or four players to go over or under their fantasy point projections, and if you're correct, you win. Pick two or more players from the same sport or league, or go cross leagues for your parlay. Use the promo code 5, that's F I V E 5, and receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. But first, sign up at prizepicks.com to start winning today. It's that time of year again, and we all deserve a win. We all deserve a little extra money in our pocket, and we all deserve to have a little fun. The only place you're guaranteed to get all three is at MyBookie. They're the only sportsbook that doesn't care whether you're naughty or nice this year. They got gifts for everyone. Best NFL, NBA, all your favorite college sports, and more. Sign up today and receive the ultimate stocking stuffer. A 50% deposit bonus up to $1,000. That's a great place to start. But we all know Christmas is about what's under the tree. And at MyBookie, that means huge deposit bonuses, epic giveaways, and free contests. It's simple. Sign up. Enter promo code 3YARDS, that's the word, 3YARDS, and get your deposit matched halfway up to 1000 bucks. Head over to MyBookie to make the most of this holiday this year. And start into 2021 with cash in your pocket. This winter, bet with the best. Bet with MyBookie. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to another edition of Three Yards Per Carry. This is not a victorious one, though, by the way. Simon Clancy is here. Chris Kaufman is here. And we're going to recap... That epic game on Sunday. It was a fun game. I had a great time watching it. I know some people got onto the three yards per carry account. They said now was a good time to tell us that we were all bums and that tool was absolutely terrible and blah, 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 blah. But that's usually what shows up on the internet when we have a loss. But what also showed up was Xavier Howard's ninth interception. Simon, I suspect he got our message about Manscape on the preview show. Yeah, I mean, the way that Travis Kelsey slid off him in the end zone for that <laughs> touchdown. He must have got the message. Slid right down his legs. I mean, the way that Tyreek Hill slid past Clayton for Jedalum. Yep. They but they're both definitely using Manscaped. He went up he way. went up so aerodynamically on that uh on that on that jump. I think he used a lawnmower 3.0 at a half time though to uh, leap up one handedly, a la Brent Grimes in Detroit, um, and the the lack of excess hair in his testicular area meant that he was able to leap slightly higher, and therefore was able to pull the ball down. So I, I think he probably used the uh, the code five RSN to get himself twenty percent off and uh, glide through the air like the. Um, cornerback version of Clyde the testicle glide Drexler. <laughs> do, you, do you think he used ball toner on his hands? 
may well have done it may um they've got that they, they, i mean have you ever tried in all seriousness have you, ever, have you ever worn a wide receivers pair of gloves in the nfl i have it's, not I mean, but i've heard they're wonderful if you put your hand against the wall you're like spider-man i mean you could get yourself <laughs> up a 40-story building so as spectacular as a lot of these catches are it is cheating a little bit it's like it's like dipping your hands in glue and then just walking around and like people just stick throwing <laughs> balls at you. you stick your hand up and be like got it got it got it <laughs> if you covered your body in it it'd be like do you remember those games where like you had a big fuzzy maybe it only happened every, it's a game like people put like a felt on you and then they chuck balls at you and the, but the balls would stick because they were felt as well it's a bit like that really <laughs> so i think howard i mean as great as he is and he really is but you know you could you could st- he, he's essentially the fuzzy felt man walking around <laughs> in the secondary because literally everything sticks to him. So yes, maybe he is using ball tone on his gloves and that's why he's got so many interceptions. Well, well finally, the- finally then Byron Jones decided to put on the same gloves. I'm going to take issue with you, okay? Because Byron <laughs> Jones managed to get his hands on his first interception in the last 15 years and he fumbled it. So because he was running like Earl Campbell, fuck's sake. <laughs> What's wrong with him? So obviously the gloves don't work for him like they work for Xavier Howard. No, well, but, they were working but, really nicely until somebody actually, you know, jarred the ball slightly <laughs> out of his hands. <laughs> Can you? Who's one of the great corners of all time? Daryl Green, Dion. Much, much, much earlier than that. Earlier than oh, Dion and uh, Daryl Green. What was, was Night Train uh, Lane? Was, was Night Train Lane? Uh, Dick, Dick, Dick. There you go. You Dick Night Train Lane. He was the original ball toner man. <laughs> Ah, there it is. See where I've gone there? Yeah. <laughs> I bet he could have done with 20% off and five RSN. <laughs> Herb Adderley. Yeah, that um, doesn't quite work so well, mate. You have you kind of missed the joke there. <laughs> I mean, where's, where's the cock reference in Herb Adderley? If we're talking yeah, about cooking... Come on, we need, we need then, a dick, you know, dick nitrine lane. Yeah. Uh, Herb what? Adderley. Did you actually what say about, that? What about dick... Adderley? Dick Anderson, Dick LeBeau, Dick LeBeau. Oh, Dick LeBall. Yeah, <laughs> Dick if, LeBall. If, if Jerry Ball had a, you know, somebody in his family that played cornerback, mm-hmm. and his name was Dick, how perfect. David Bollock, Pollock, Bollock, Bollock. Don't even bring him up. Well, we all watched this game, so I guess we'll start there. Your <laughs> impressions of this game. I guess I'll go to you first, Chris. Yeah, um, I. I was in the third quarter, I kind of like almost ready to shut off the TV, you know, and it's like, hey, jig is up. We kind of kind of like uh, remember um, dazed and confused when that uh, that nerdy guy gets in like his punch and then and then he gets beat the fuck down like by the other guy. He's like his his whole theory was all you really got to do is get in one punch. And then, you know, the the herd mentality, everybody just kind of breaks up the fight and that's all you got to do. And then he gets his at and like, he gets his one punch and then just like gets beat down for like 30 straight seconds. I thought that was happening. Like yeah. we got our punches in at the beginning, we got our lead, you know, and as, as this team is wonderful at doing the dolphins uh, all year long, getting a lead and doing damage in the first quarter, which is such a su- surprising change and a nice change from uh, under Adam Gase. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought it was all over in the third. And you know, there was the punt return touchdown, the safety. It was looking bad, you know. And yeah. um and then and then they fought back. And and it wasn't it wasn't just that they fought back cuz I'm sensitive to the garbage yards thing. Um it wasn't though. It wasn't garbage yards. They fought back and they had a real chance. And in fact, I think the way it was tipping and the way the momentum was at that point if the chiefs had not gone for it on that fourth down and converted it, um, which they did a good job doing it. uh, And Miami got the ball back with about two and a half minutes left in the game. I think that Miami would have won 31 30. I that's, I know that's just my opinion and it's a projection and whatever you want to say about it. But I I think that's the way the game was tipping at that point. Um, And it, it just shocked the hell out of me. Cause you turn, turn around and be like, you know, gosh, you know, if not for that, that punt return touchdown or, or uh, a missed field goal there, or, uh, you know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, we could have actually taken that game. And so I was, I was surprised. I was really happy with the team. Simon. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think we don't have the win to show for it, but I think it's difficult not to be impressed and inspired, really, by the fight they showed. I thought the defence played well, played with pride, had reason to be happy. You know, three picks from Patrick Mahomes, the first in three interception game of his career. Um, I thought they generally did really well. You know, it's it's important. Yeah, you look at the Travis Kelsey situation, you go back to the glory days of Rob Gronkowski, and you realise it, it is impossible to cover elite tight ends it's impossible mm. to cover it was always impossible to cover Rob Gronkowski and how many years have we talked about you know teams finding a, a, a tight end beater you know Isaiah Simmons was the next guy out of Clemson he was going to be the tight end beater and the they don't exist you know Eric Rowe is playing really good football this season they just don't exist uh, mm. and I think that that ultimately really told the story of the game, I think. And, and the other part of the story of the game was that the offense really didn't take full advantage. You know, we didn't maximize possible points scored off turnovers. We got three mm. points off, four, mm-hmm. off, tur- off turnovers in the first half, which just kept the door wide open for the Chiefs to come roaring back. You know, the, I thought we played, we've yet to play a complete game, a complete four-quarter game this season. I thought we played well in the first quarter. We played well in the fourth quarter, but really, you know, we were let down by that performance at performance in inverted commas in the second quarter and offensively we just like I said just didn't maximize those possible points that we that we got off turnover lots of room for encouragement though you know it was a valiant comeback that that fell short I I, I disagree with Chris I don't think we would have won the game because I I just think the Chiefs are you know it's a very flawed season this season but the Chiefs are just so far above everybody else you know I think Chiefs Buffalo will be the AFC championship game and but I, I just don't see anybody else but Kansas City winning um you know, ultimately, the defensive effort was great. Xavier Howard, yet again, you know, we we, we joked earlier on. But, um, you know, uh, look, a game that easily could have gotten out of hand ended in a one-score finish because of our fight. You know, like I said, we didn't get a win, but it is exciting for a team that's that's still in the thick of the playoff hunt. And for Tour, I think, you know, I thought he had really significant moments. I thought he played really well in the fourth quarter. There was a throw to Lynn Bowden in the fourth quarter uh, that was just, I, I've watched it about 10 or 15 times. It just takes your breath away. Um, he's so accurate. He's so accurate. Um, you know, and his greatest ally is time, you know, time to throw time to learn time to adjust time to apply his knowledge. You know, Romo pointed it out during the, the, the comeback, you know, where he graduated from taking the open man underneath to actually lofting passes to targets in single coverage down the scene. You know, he hit Gasicki for the touchdown, Shaheen along the boundary to extend drives, that throw that I just talked about to Lynn Bowden. You know, he grew more and more comfortable as the game progressed. And, you know, if he follows this trend in the next few weeks, he'll only get better. I thought generally it was a really good performance, but you could tell that, you know, the Chiefs are what everybody aspires to be because they're Super Bowl champion. But for the Dolphins especially, there aren't too many teams in the in the position to be able to to look at the, the the Chiefs and think we could be there in eighteen months' time. The piece, the right pieces, are now falling into place for the Dolphins. They just need to add that talent. And you know, look, we were hamstrung, fourth string running back. We lose our all pro potential, all pro tight end. You know, we were down to two rookies, Perry and Bowden, the special teams captain and Mac Hollins. Jakeen Grant was injured, and you know, we can have that discussion about his usefulness. And who else? I mean, it was, Not it was laughable. Boy. Yeah, I mean, it, but just in terms of the offensive weapons, it was just yeah, laughable. Yeah, the skill that, positions. You know, the skill was, position players. We were it was devastating. Yeah, wasn't it? But look, but take a step back, and the three of us, you know, obviously the thousands of you that listen, and we thank you for doing so. But the thousands of you listen won't know the conversations that we had. But you know. You throw in a Juju Smith-Schuster, you throw in a Devonta Smith or a Jamar Chase. I mean, we're currently sat with the eighth overall pick. You throw in a Najee Harris, you throw in an Amon Ra St. Brown, you throw in a Chris Alave, you know, a Kyle Pitts, a Pat Fryer, whatever. You throw in those skill position players. Later on, you get yourself a Jarrett Patterson or a Kenneth Gainwell at Memphis. This team looks significantly different with those weapons. You know, and when they grow, and it won't probably won't happen in that first year. You know, you, you'd expect them to get to the playoffs next year, but the year after, if all things continue to fall into place the way they are, and the window continues continues to stay open in terms of the talent that we've got, people stay healthy. This team is going to win an awful lot of games over the next few years. Yeah, and I think for for Tua Tagovailoa, it's just seeing things over and over again. You can see how he's getting more and more comfortable, and the telltale sign and i said this on on the three yards per carry account and we talked about this on thursday we made it a point to talk about this on thursday and both of us actually predicted on thursday that no matter what happened on sunday that tuatunga would play well and 
We had no other reason to say that other than what we have seen from his whole career in college. And so far, whenever he's seen across from him, a team that is worthy of his attention, although everybody should be worthy of his attention, but let's face it. If you have Patrick Mahomes lined up across from you, you're going to care a lot more than if you have Ryan Finley lined up across from you, you're going to pay, you're going to dot your eyes and, and cross your T's a little closer and you're going to pay attention to every minor detail. We thought he would play well. And he did. I thought he played extremely well, especially in that fourth quarter. There were moments that, you know, it's the missed opportunities in this game. And I won't get into too many, you know, as far as you know, bad calls here, bad calls there. I understand the DB, the the defensive pass interference on Jakeem, but that could go either way. I'm not, I'm, I'm not really bothered by that. I'm bothered by the only call I'm bothered by was when they pulled down Noah Benagane on that punt return touchdown, mm-hmm. because we said on Thursday, like, you know, how can they pull this off? And I said, Man, I know it's weird to say this, but if they allow only three touchdowns, they can do this. They can win that game because I trust Tua to just get us close enough to win a game if we can only allow three touchdowns. Well, they allowed three touchdowns to the Kansas City offense. They allowed a fourth to the Kansas City special teams, and that broke our back. So, yeah, that was the only thing. And to be fair, they blocked it great after they, you know, they committed the penalty. They did block it great afterwards. I think these things even themselves out though over the season. Do you know what I mean? That, that mm-hmm. yeah, it was a, it wasn't a, you know, it was a missed call. But you know, if we sit here and think that the Dolphins aren't getting some favorable calls or some, you know, mm-hmm. some missed calls or whatever, these things happen. I know, you know, I know it's frustrating. We had some big but... ones. I remember against the Jets. I think uh, yeah, we had some exactly. some calls in fa- in our favor, and it was like, yeah, oh wow, exactly. It's mm-hmm. good to get these you know, once in a while. I thought the interesting thing about that was that the, the player that was closest to um, Miko Hardman when he ran across the goal line was was Noah Igbenogane. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. the fact that he'd been pulled to the ground and was on the opposite side of the field, and yet he was, you know, that, I mean, that tells you an awful lot about the kid and his mentality and the effort. You know, uh, Danny Crossman, when he looks, you know, if he's looking for some silver linings, that would be one of them, the fact that the kid hustled all the way across the field and, and got close to, to tackling him. But yeah, yeah that I, means he, know, he paid attention to to the drills in training camp when they talked about their pursuit lanes and where you're supposed to end up at the end of a punt return. And sure enough, there he is. Yeah, so, I just think, you know, uh, it, it was annoying, but, uh, you know, you can't, the, the game, uh, I think the game was bigger than just that, that missed call, you know? Yeah, and, and I was yeah, more I frustrated. Think, I don't, I really don't think about the drops. Yeah. Yeah, the drops. I would, I would, I would say that, but not, that's where I'm the not up on the penalties. I think the drops at the beginning, um, and what, I mean, just the simple fact that they let up the big punt return touchdown. I mean, that's that's not that's not a usual thing, especially for this special teams unit. So unlike them, it is very unlike them. Um, you know, this was, and I, I I hate to you know single out the guy, but but I mean, uh, if you if you see the three biggest plays that the Chiefs really had in the game, um, including the punt return, the uh, the you know, the touchdown run by Tyreek Hill, the big run, as well as the big uh, pass to Tyreek Hill. I mean, Clayton Fajetalin was like right there, all three of them. Yes, he was. Um, And I mean, if you really look at, if you really look at it and, and I'm not putting, especially the touchdown run and the punt return. I mean, you cannot singly point him out and be like, oh, that's on him. Cause that, cause there were other guys that, that were, that were um, not doing their job. I think Simon, you pointed out, you know, Eric Rowe was not doing a great job on that touchdown run. And mm-hmm. I know that Sam Aguavon actually blew it on that touchdown touchdown run. Um, so well, Sam, you know, Aguavon. other people, Sam Aguavon, you could look at it on the all 22 Tyreek Hill passes within 12 inches of Sam Aguavon. Oh Sam yeah. Aguavon, he blew it. If Sam Aguavon gets an arm out and let's come on, let's face it. Mm-hmm. Tyreek Hills. I'm, I'm certain he's a strong man. He's a strong man for, for the average human out there. Okay, mm-hmm. but that if you're a linebacker in the NFL and you get a hand on Tyreek Hill, you should slow him down enough to to let you. Well, you get you get you get the outside leverage to keep an arm free and and yes. you make a play on the ball and that and he didn't do that and he let him pass right by without yeah. without 
touching him at all. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, I and mean, I understand Eric Rowe and you break down in front of Tyreek Hill and you give him seven yards to the sideline. Guess what's going to mm-hmm. happen? He's going to run. Right I know. Around right. <laughs> and that was, that was, that was pretty terrible too. So, you know, yeah. I, I can't, I can't really say that this is Clayton Vigilum's fault, but, <laughs> um, but I mean, I'm just struck by like, it's like three big plays. Yes. It really was like, it was like, it's like these three big plays, the, the Tyree kill big, big, long touchdown pass, which was, I mean, you could just directly put it on one guy and say, you screwed up there, kid. Um, and then, and then the big touchdown run by Tyree kill where we had a couple of screw ups from, from, uh, you know, a backup and Sam Aguavon and then, uh, and then the, the punt return touchdown. And it's like, you know, damn, you know, I, and the football is made by those big plays. So yes. I, I get it. Well, go but, back to the go back but, to the Super Bowl. If you remember in the Super Bowl, Garoppolo hits Emmanuel Sanders. What's happened? What happens? Oh yeah, yeah. That, that the big lead, touchdown the lead, pass. The lead is bigger, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe San Francisco with their running game protect that lead, and they actually hold on, and it's not a track meet in the last no. six minutes. So you never know. Although I, I think the Chiefs, I think they always have that ability to just flip it on and then turn it on to it, turn it into a track meet at some oh, point. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I mean it's 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 too bad. It really is too bad. The thing is, I think the Dolphins come away. I wonder about this from a confidence standpoint because I think the Dolphins come away from this game being like, "There's nobody we're afraid of. We could have beaten them. Mm-hmm. You know, we we could have beaten them. This is this is the scariest team in the NFL and in all of football." right now uh the kansas city chiefs and we had them you know we could have we we could have taken it if we if we'd uh you know capitalized on a few extra opportunities or not you know uncharacteristically let up a punt return touchdown or you know those sorts of things so why are they going to be afraid of the bills why are they going to be afraid of the steelers why are they going to be afraid of the the indianapolis colts or the um you know the the oakland well the oakland raiders probably aren't going to we have to face them, but we're not, they're probably not going to be in the playoffs now. Las Vegas. Raiders. Um, oh, sorry. Yeah, Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, they're not going to be afraid of anybody in the AFC mm-hmm. if, if not the chiefs. And, uh, and so I think that that's important because you go, they got three games going forward, uh, winnable games, all three of them winnable against the, uh, the Raiders and the, the Patriots and the, um, and the bills. And, uh, and then, you know, playoffs against winnable teams. And they're still playing their brand of football, which is which is get out to leads in the first, like play really good first quarters and really good fourth quarters. If you're a football team that plays really good first quarters and fourth quarters in general, you're going to do well, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you're, you're generally going to do well. And they did well against this Kansas City team, but they, they didn't capitalize enough on enough of their opportunities in the for, first quarter. And so Kansas City was able to to really come back on them, and uh, and then the Dolphins at the end, you know, fell. I thought just a little bit short because uh, because you know it broke a little too wide open. But um, I you know I I I couldn't help but be encouraged, really, and in a genuine way, in a genuine like playoff way, of what this team might be able to do. Yeah, absolutely. And on the Bills front, the, the Bills annihilated the Steelers. I don't know if you watched the game. I understand that the score looks a lot closer than, than you know, it looks like if it was a, a rough and tumble close game. It really wasn't. Bills absolutely destroyed the Steelers. And Stefan Diggs, my God. Like, I th- I believe Stefan Diggs, if you watch the Bills play en- enough, okay, and if you've watched them like I've watched them this year, I don't think it's crazy to think that Stefan Diggs should get some MVP votes. I he's he's been that much of a difference maker for the Bills. And what's going I, on with the Steelers that they played two really bad games in a row though? Ben Roethlisberger forgot how to play quarterback, and no, they dropped too many the balls. Case. They played they played three games in eleven days. I think that certainly played. Uh, yeah, it. okay, fair. Um, right. You know, Good and they just uh, the the receivers are having some significant drop issues. Um, Deontay Johnson leads the league in drops. Um, yeah. He had three more last night. And also they're averaging 52 yards rushing a game. They just can't get any traction in the run game. You know, I don't know how many times he threw it last night, but certainly the two previous weeks against Washington and whoever they beat the week before, Roethlisberger threw the ball 51 times in both games. I mean, that's not sustainable when you're 58 or however old Ben is and you're coming off, you know, plastic elbow surgery or whatever it is that he's got, you know, 
It's um, uh, they just looked knackered last night, and uh, you know they're missing Bud Dupree as well, um, which has been an issue. Alex Highsmith went out the game. I, I just think Joe Hayden wasn't playing last night, um, and I just think uh, you know they just looked an exhausted team and just one that just really can't get any rhythm going on offense. So they still play the Colts and the Browns. They do. So, they do. So I mean that you know how how about limping into the playoffs one and four. I mean that game against the Browns could be for all the marbles in the um in the AFC North. It could be. It could well, be. I'm rooting, and, and well, I'm rooting for the Steelers to win out and get that two seed because if we get into the seventh, I don't seed, think they will. Yeah, I know. I think it's looking bad for them. <laughs> it really is. It's looking bad. I the think. Is, the, I think we'd beat the. I think we could beat the Browns if we had a full strength. To you know, if we had Parker, Williams is back. If Gasicki is back, you know, if Gaskin is playing. I think we have a chance against almost anybody in the AFC. Mm-hmm. Actually, yeah, um, I agree with that. You know, maybe not, maybe not the Chiefs in Arrowhead. Well, hell, we um, the, we just played, yeah, well, in Arrowhead, the Chiefs in, in Arrowhead. Because that's yeah, a, let's be that's let's a be different game. Yeah, yeah, it's going it's going through. Um, you know, it's going through the road to the Super Bowl is going through Arrowhead, definitely yeah. in the AFC. Um, I, I, you know, I do think Buffalo look a very good team if they can only get a little bit more um, out of the running game. Mm-hmm. Um, Zach Moss has struggled. Um, what's his name? Has struggled. The guy that starts, whose name completely struggled. Um, Devin Singletary um, has struggled as well. If they could only get a bit of traction in the running game, I think they'd be a really, really difficult out for anybody. Um, but any, anywhere else, like the Patriots next week is so interesting because I actually don't think Cam Newton's going to start. I think they're going to start Jared Stidham. I just don't think Newton's sustainable moving forwards. But you know what Belichick is like with rookie quarterbacks? You see what he did to Justin Herbert a couple of weeks ago. You know, mm. that this is a this is a Belichick absolute, you know, this is what he loves, is confusing rookie quarterbacks. And they still got talent on that team, especially yeah. on defense. There's still a lot of talent there. But you know, we're at I mean, look, it's must win. It's it's certainly two playoff games out of three, realistically. They beat the Patriots, they beat the Raiders, then they have a really good chance of getting in. I, I think if they lose if they lose this week to the Raiders uh, to the Patriots, they've got to win the last two. Otherwise, yeah, you know, I just don't see a scenario where Baltimore yeah, it, don't I, get in. I think no, we, there is no scenario. We had a nice. There is no scenario where oh, they I, win one game and get in. No, they have to win two. No, that's true. I, I agree with you. I think we had a yeah. nice preview of what to what to expect from Bill uh, against Tua next week, though. When you saw there was a there was a play that the the Kansas City Chiefs disguised the coverage. Um, really dramatically having the guy having the guy uh, a safety all the way up on the line of scrimmage and then drop back into a deep cover two. Um, yeah. And and it caused Tua to actually begin his progression in the wrong spot and uh, and and just a really bad play outcome. And that's the sort of thing like even just one play, you'll see Bill Belichick look at it and say, OK, that's what we're doing all game. <laughs> you know, yeah. we're we're gonna we're gonna disguise we're gonna disguise those coverages, you know, really really dramatically like that um, all game long. I mean, anybody can disguise coverage, but but you know, making the decision to do it, you're always giving something up in order to do it. And um, and I think that they might they might make the decision that this is worth it. Yeah, but lucky, um, yeah, lucky so. for us, you you can only win games if you score. And this is the last thing that I'm going to get to on this game before we get into the injury situation and how we remedy that for Sunday. But the Patriots are going to have to score on this defense. And I, I said during the game, and I feel as if I that's what I saw on Sunday. I thought I saw the best offense versus the best defense in the NFL. Do you feel that way, Simon? How good is this defense? I think it's good. I don't think it's the best defense in the NFL. I think it's a good defense. Um, you know, but I, I don't think it's the best. Uh, I think it's certainly up there. And I, you know, kudos to to Josh Boyer because I think he called another really good game. And we just have really good players. You know, we have really good players in the most important positions now, which is the secondary. Essentially, you know, what a play flood, by they flooded the secondary. Let's let's give him some props. What a play by Andrew Van Ginkle on that first interception. That's oh my god, yeah. yeah. Did you yeah. see that? <laughs> oh, and the Xavier Howard pick. I mean, God. Pick oh, yeah. a guy though in the secondary. I mean, pick a guy. Literally, just say a name. Bobby McCain. Nick Bobby Neiman. McCain. Bobby McCain. You know, Bobby playing, McCain did not allow really a touchdown well. on Sunday. Yeah, <laughs> he Nick, threw a shutout. Well, Nick yeah, Needham. he only played last game. Last three weeks, Nick Needham playing really well. Yes. Yeah. Howard. Howard probably third place 
in the Defensive Player of the Year behind mm-hmm. um, Aaron Donald and, and TJ Watt. You yeah. know, you'd say that's fair. Byron Jones living up to the bargain, living up to the money, playing well. Uh, the kid out of Texas, Brandon Jones, I think he's been, you know, significantly improved. Roe, we've talked about, is playing really well. You know, that 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 the, it's the most important position in a passing league now. And, you know, Noah Igbenogane, you know, people talk about the, the touchdowns he gave up, but, you know, you saw him come into the game against AJ Green last week and shut, you know, the guy didn't have a, he had one pass thrown his way, which was incomplete and, you know, didn't have a sniff. Um, you know, so I think the defense is good. I think it's probably missing a couple of pieces. You kind of want to, you know, I think you probably need a bulkier interior defensive lineman at times, you know, a sort of an oak to soak up the run game sometimes. And I think you probably need, you know, another pressure player off the, off the edge. And, you know, you can, we can talk about linebackers and stuff, but look, there was no car van Noy at the week. Uh, yesterday. Yeah, and that's, you know, Cam that's Gru- the amazing thing to me. Like they, Gru- they were Gru- missing played well. one of their best players, the Kyle Van yeah. Noy. I mean, he's, he's the, and I think I, I saw something on the pregame. It was like, uh, they were talking about, uh, Teddy Bruschi was talking about how they use disguise as a weapon uh, on this defense. And Kyle Van Noy is like the driver of the disguise as far as the disguise of who's coming and, and who's, and who's not coming. And, uh, and just suddenly right before the game, it's like, Oh, by the way, he's not playing. And, and yet they, and, and this is the thing that kills me about this defense. Is it the, is it the best in the league last week? They would have had a shutout against the Cincinnati Bengals, if not for, you know, Bob, or who was it? Uh, Eric Rowe goes out with an injury and presses Brandon Jones into duty that, you know, he's especially on those zero blitzes. He's not as used to uh, filling Eric Rowe's spot um, on those. You'd usually be the guy that, that blitzes rather than the guy that uh, stays back. And, uh, and he lost contain and they made a big play. A, a guy Tyler Boyd had like the biggest play he's ever had in his career, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then this week, Bobby McCain goes out, and for a couple of plays, they try out Clayton Fajetalim, and he he really botched that that big one to Tyreek Hill, the um, overtop, and and they immediately took him off the field and put Kavon Frazier for the rest of the game, um, and so and that worked out fine. But you know, it's like two weeks in a row you had costly big touchdowns given up by you know young backups Preston put into a, a difficult spot duty position otherwise you know pitching a shutout last week and then this week possibly only allowing 14 points to the Kansas City Chiefs offense with four turnovers plus a 30 yard sack that really functioned like a turnover I mean yes. Jesus what the what the hell are we looking at with this defense that's that's what i keep telling people like don't don't rule out like do the do the we're used to bad things in miami so we so we not we don't say that we're the best or one of the best i think this defense might well be be the best defense in the nfl by the end of the season when all is said and done right now it's like this the steelers rams and miami and it's one of those three and uh, and the Steelers haven't been looking too hot the last two a couple of weeks, so I, I don't know. I, I maybe it is. Yeah. Now let's close with this. On Sunday, when Tua goes back to pass and he looks around and he throws it, he could go zero for thirty-five because there's nobody there to catch it. It seems like our entire wide receiver core is injured. We could have, I guess, we could give one update. Uh, the word is that Devontae Parker is not as serious, but there's no word if he's going to play on Sunday. I would bet on him having a shot at playing on Sunday. Gaseki, we kind of know, is not going to play. He's yet. not going to play. And he's I doubt, play. I, honestly, I doubt he see, we see him for the rest of the year. Yeah, I would, yeah, I I would agree, agree with think, that. I, uh, I, I would agree with that regardless, because if even, even if he has just a – and remember, the Dolphins will never say exactly what is wrong with him. But even if he has a partial dislocation, you, you're talking two, three weeks. So that presses toward the end of the season. And the ultimate reason why, Alf, is because with this with this kind of injury, it's not like an offensive or defensive lineman where it's okay if you can't lift your arm above your head. Yeah, he high exactly. points the ball. He's a tight end. <laughs> this is his style. This is what he does. He's useless if uh, if he can't raise his arms above his head. Absolutely. And so, so I think I think you're going to see him have a season ending ending surgery. That's my that's my opinion. Yeah, also, he's uh, going to get a lot of he's going to get a lot of hits on that that shoulder. You know, somebody oh, yeah. dislocated that yeah. finger six months ago. Yeah, you know, if I still no- it's only a finger, and if I still knock it, it's like like a lot of pain. 
Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm not running, I'm not running into 230 pound safeties at you know 19 miles an hour, you know, banging my shoulder into them, having had it just dislocated a, you know, two weeks ago. I, I would be amazed if Kasiki plays again this season. Yeah, yeah, so, I, I agree with that. There's a there's a guy on on Twitter. I forgot his name, but he used he was the former orthopedist for the New England Patriots, and he was talking about what what is now like standard practice in the NFL. And if he has a bank art tear, and that used to be back in my day. Okay. I'm going to say that back in my day, you know, and when you come to think about it, I am old as fuck. So, you know, when I say back in my day, I'm talking about the mid nineties, forties. Yeah. Like the forties when we wore leather helmets back in my day, we used to call that a shoulder separation. Now he calls it a bank art tear. If they call it a bank art tear, he needs surgery. And we're not talking three weeks. We're talking four months. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's, we're talking training camp for Mike Kaseki. If it's just a partial separation, like we said, yeah, it's not a bad thing for him because, you know, he'll, he'll recover. But I doubt he plays because we're talking two, three weeks. And if he does come back for the Buffalo game, you know, he, it's going to be tender. He's not going to be 100%. Yeah. You know, I, so I just, I just seriously doubt it. Period. Yeah, me too. Like, I, I just don't think it's something that's probably in the cards. I so I, how are we? Gonna... I, I hear things about it, and I'm not going to get into it. I just doubt it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'll start with you, Simon. How are we going to smoke and mirrors this wide receiver core for Sunday's game against the Patriots? I mean, I, I the, to me, there's a name out on the market who was released by the Houston Texans, who I'd be bringing in immediately to bring some veteran leadership a guy we know can get open short intermediate deep routes can play out the slot you know he had excellent performances for the dolphins out the slot had really good numbers in terms of being a slot receiver and that's kenny stills i bring stills back in you know i thought lynn bowden played really well it's hugely encouraging to see how he's playing um you know it'll be interesting to see what happens with mac hollins chris has got an interesting uh, theory which we'll get to i'm sure which is that you know hollins essentially because he's such a big body will ascent will will just step up and replace mike kasiki i know chris myrick is on the practice squad um but it certainly makes sense to use hollins as a sort of hybrid receiver hybrid tight end you hope that parker comes back but how you know realistically how much have we ever really been able to rely on Devonte parker the answer is not yeah. a great deal because he's always injured. You know, the same question with Preston Williams. I mean, Preston, I think, has only played 10 games for the Dolphins in two seasons. You know, there will come a point where you have to ask yourself, how much are we getting from Preston Williams in terms of reliability? Um, you know, Antonio Callaway, for, for for his ability to take the top of the defence, we've not seen him be able to do that yet. Jaquim Grant is Jaquim Grant, you know, mm-hmm. so inconsistent. Um, you know, again, he's also for a guy injured. with his speed. He's also you know, injured, by the way. Yeah, he's also injured. Probably um, not going to play. Yeah, yeah. Malcolm Perry obviously had played play, last couple two three weeks. Had played quite a lot, quite a lot. Only had one target yesterday. So, you know, Isaiah Ford obviously back is really important. I think Ford's a clean, crisp route runner. There's obviously Kirk Merritt. There's there's Matt Cole. There's Andre Patton on the on the practice squad. But for me, I, I go out and get Kenny Stills. You know, it just makes too much sense down this stretch. A veteran player who can be a leader at that position, who can lead these young guys, Bowden, Callaway, Perry, you know, somebody that's just reliable. Because really, look, who have you got? You know, it's Patrick Laird, DeAndre Washington. You know, Washington, you know, had absolutely no, you know, nothing about him yesterday. And we're trying to get into the playoffs and we're relying on what essentially was our four-string receiver, our four-string running back, sorry, two rookie receivers, the special teams captain and a street free agent in Callaway. That's all we had to throw quarterback through. converts too. those rookie yeah. receivers for quarterback. <laughs> they were both I mean, playing quarter wildcat quarterback last year. <laughs> I mean, at one point yesterday we had two sec quarterbacks on the field on offense for us and the Navy quarterback all in this field at the same time. <laughs> you know, yeah, I so, saw it. And by the um, way, how come we couldn't pull off those throwbacks? Okay. We, we couldn't pull off either one. I saw both of them on yeah, all 22. The, the Chiefs were like I thought, amazing Kreskin. They picked up on both of them. Tua Tungavalo was covered. Oh, with yeah, they're ready. Line, by so, the way. And he was no Capasson did a great end. job. Yeah. Yeah, Capasson did a great job on that play. I think yeah. just Tua had to almost like bend down and pretend he was doing his shoelace up or something. He just had to hold it just for a second longer. And to, and also to be fair, Lynn Bowden doesn't do a very good job. You know, the second he's getting it, 
that he's throwing it. Do you know what I mean? There's yeah, no kind of yeah. run fast yeah. and then pull up and do it. True. It's like, okay, I'm going to, I, but I was thoroughly impressed with Bowden. I thought he played really well yesterday. Um, you know, lots to like about him. And I, I, for me, ultimately, I think he'll end up replacing Jaquin Grant next season, but that will obviously be a discussion for us to have during the off season when we're looking ahead to free agency and the draft and how that all shakes up. But a lot to like for me about Lynn Bowden. But I, I, for me, I'd go out and get Kenny Stills. I mean, the, it, it's frustrating. I personally, I know the three of us find it frustrating given our stances in the world of politics and we're not getting to that. But, you know, the fact that a, a veteran receiver, a good human, like Kenny Stills has sat on the market and hasn't signed anywhere. When you look at, we're in a playoff stretch. There's a lot of teams out that you could use receiver help to get them over the top. And we all know the reasons why Kenny hasn't been signed. I hope the Dolphins do the right thing and bring him back for the last few games because we could really use him. And yeah, I'm completely with you, Simon. Kenny Stills makes too much sense. First of all, he was in with this coaching staff a year ago. Of course, they traded him. (laughs) So, So who knows? But yeah, he's kind of like what they need. First of all, we know his production in the slot has always been good. We know his propensity to run nine routes. Like he doesn't mind doing it. And they need a guy to do it. They need, and that's why Jakeem Grant is really so valuable. He doesn't mind doing it and he was going to do it well. He's going to run nine, 10, nine routes a game. They call them, Tua called them brotherhood routes, right? That's uh, what he, that's I what he said. I don't that's, know. He, he has his own lingo. He's kind of yeah. corny and I love it. <laughs> well, but no, he, he was talking about Jakeem Grant and he was like, you know, Tua or Jakeem does a really great job running those brotherhood routes, which is not a route that he knows he's going to get the ball on. Yes. He's not. It's just, you know, he's clearing out. He's being the deepest man so that uh, to keep the defense honest. And occupy a safety. And occupy a safety. Yeah. Kenny Stills can do that. Absolutely. So So if we're missing Jakeem Grant, if we're missing Jakeem Grant, then that's a natural, I think that's a natural replacement. And and I can say I've heard, I've heard that he's coming in for a tryout anyway. So, yeah. Okay. So so that's, that's a reveal it. That's good news. Yeah. Uh, the good news I already gave it, which is that Devontae Parker, and I will take issue in one respect, uh, Devontae Parker, if you look at it in a vacuum, he's missed 13 games in his career, okay? It's six years. Mm-hmm. The problem has been his little knickknack injuries. The last two yeah. years, he hasn't had knickknack injuries. The guy has played through everything, okay? And if you look at it, and if you want to be – I don't want to be mean about it because – Preston Williams has had two serious injuries. Preston mm-hmm. Williams has missed as many games in two years as Devontae Parker has missed in six. That's a fact. Well, yeah, he took some two pretty big injuries. Yeah. Okay. So, you know. But I mean, the thing with Devontae is how many games, how many games have we seen where he misses a quarter? Yes. I understand and, that. Absolutely. And that has to come. And, We've seen a lot of those. I think it's been, so, I th- but I, I really do believe that there's been a, a change in the Brian Flores regime. And who knows yeah. if Brian Flores. I think there's just a change in him this year. Yes. Like he's, he said, I'm not letting that happen anymore. So yeah. if he was off the field in this game, I think you could tell that it, it's because he really could not be on it um, because he's decided this year that he is not letting that shit happen. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I think that that's, I think that's a good thing for him, but, um, you know, he, he, he'll probably, I think we'll probably play next week, yeah. but I think Jakeem's not. And I think that Kenny stills makes a natural replacement. Um, the thing that I worry about is okay. Mike Gesicki is out. We uh, we've talked about, I think Matt Collins is a natural replacement. He's already been mm-hmm. used as a, basically as an H back on those, uh, those split zone run plays. And he's better at it than Mike Gesicki is frankly, mm-hmm. uh, better at blocking those things than, I mean, this is something Mike Gesicki used to do at Penn state all the time is, um, is split zone, you know, uh, as a, as an H back, you know, come across the, come across the offensive line to the other side and, and block the guy, um, block the end of the line guy um and uh and he used to do that all the time in penn state but he was never very good at it mm-hmm. and uh and mac hollins the wide receiver comes in this year and he he keeps executing that like perfectly <laughs> it's really it's really something uh so i think that he's going to be the tight end in place of mike gasicki and, and fill basically the same routes and the same but that leaves the question okay but who's going to fill max mac hollins shoes because 
he was actually used as a wide receiver, you know, in other plays. And, um, and there was room on this offense, obviously for Mike Gesicki and Mac Hollins. So now it's Mac Hollins as the new Mike Gesicki, who's going to be the new Mac Hollins. I've been told to, you know, keep an eye on some guys on practice squads. Um, and there's a, there's a player on the, uh, on the Oakland or on the Las Vegas Raiders practice squad that I'd keep an eye on named Keelan Doss. Um, yes. and he's a big, he's a big guy, uh, it, you know, and, and we play the Raiders soon too. And that's, that's sort of the gamesmanship thing, right? Yes, absolutely. Poach one of their guys, get him in here, especially if we get him in this week, because then he'll be COVID ready by, uh, by the Raiders game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's one of the issues with the receivers this week. Like if we, if we were to sign Kenny Stills, I don't think he's going to actually play this week against the, uh, the Patriots, right? Well, he, I, I, the way I, I understand it, he was, he's now a street free agent. So he has to go through the entire protocol. It's yeah. not a trade. I understand that if it's a trade, it's a three day thing, but yeah, but he's, free he's, agent, a, he's a free agent. So it's a five day thing. So, yeah. So I don't, I don't think know. he would play against the Patriots this week. Even if we, even if he tries out and, and they, the Dolphins sign him, I think it would, that would be a Raiders thing, a Raiders game. Um, and similarly, if we were to like, you know, poach a guy off the Raiders practice squad to replace Mac Hollins, then, um, then I think that would also be a, a Raiders thing, a Raiders game thing. Uh, so I would look for, I would look for that. Um, I don't know. I don't know who else to really look at, at the wide receiver position. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. I think they're going to have to just make do with what they have. Uh, it's not a hopeless situation. Like I said on the, and I said it earlier in this podcast, and I said it on the three yards per carry account. Notice how, as guys went down, none of it seemed to matter to Tuatonga Vailoa. He still kept yeah. plugging along and moving the ball down the field. Yeah, that was pretty incredible. Okay, that's what a big game quarterback does. He'll adjust for the routes that they have to run. This time, he just has to do it for sixty minutes, and I have no doubt he can. You know, if they're going to have to simplify some things then simplify some things that that could even help the quarterback. Well, give credit also to the, um, you know, credit to the, uh, to the personnel department Mm -hmm. and the coaches for, you know, finding the right guys that populate the very bottom of the roster Mm -hmm. and, and coaching them up well to where, you know, this could even happen because we're all like, I mean, we know who these guys are, but still we're kind of like, who the hell are catching all these passes by two of them, you know? <laughs> um, and, and they were able to credibly fill in, you know, to where they're catching passes and including some really sweet ones. Um, and, and that's, that's a credit to everybody in the organization too, for including the young guys. So, um, mm-hmm. so that, that was interesting. Uh, but, you know, we rightly believe that they're not going to get away with that for, for very long. So they've got to figure things out. Mm-hmm. And one thing that, and I guess we could close uh, on this, uh, the Denver Broncos figured out, okay, we're just going to run five man pressures. All right. And out of the 29 drop dropbacks, they ran five man pressures on 16 of the 29 dropbacks that Tua Tungo Baloa had. So I guess that's the book on Tua. Right. And then the jets decided, okay, we're going to do the same thing. You know what the Chiefs decided to do? Yeah, let's do the same thing. And guess what? Tua actually, by the way, the Bengals did it as well, and Tua also had a good game against them. So Mm -hmm. there's a further adjustment coming. I think that you can throw that out. I think we've already we've seen Mm -hmm. Tua now adjust to those five man pressures. And and also it's worth saying that before the Broncos game, Tua it wasn't working against Tua. Mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the big pressures, um, it, it wasn't blitzing him and, and bringing extra pressure. It was the Broncos game. Yes, <laughs> it was, it was really just the Broncos game. And I, I honestly, I mean, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not a coach by any means. Um, but I honestly, just by the way that game played out and the way the defensive players were playing and, um, some cues, like, I think it had a little bit more to do with the players on the back end being somewhere that was like unexpected, you know, based on the look that Miami were giving them and based on the, like, I think, I think they had a bead on our offensive tendencies. 
big time in that mm-hmm. game. And one of the cues that I saw was, you know, going was, was when Tua tried to go to uh, Jakeem on the, um, on the, uh, the comeback uh, to the field side and the Broncos were the Broncos player was right there, you know? And it was like, Oh, Holy shit. <laughs> they, you know, that, that we probably succeeded on that play, you know, maybe once or twice, but it was clearly a successful idea for the dolphins um in you know in this offense a thing that jakeem can run and a thing that tua can can get to in his progression and throw um and it's like the broncos were right there and there were several other times it was like holy crap that's like you know why did he jump the inside leverage on that like that's okay (laughs) Mm -hmm. um you know that it it just it just seemed like that i'm not again i'm not a coach but it it seemed like the Broncos really had a beat on it. And that's why I think that he did poorly under the blitz in that game, but no other game has it been like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's just so, you know, there's going to be another adjustment, you know, who knows, who knows what's going to be the next thing, but it's been, I think it's, it's funny uh, that it's going to lead up into the Belichick game because Belichick is going to see, okay, now this is three teams that have tried this against Mm -hmm. Tua. One was successful with it. And the other two ran it to death, and we don't believe they were successful with it. Although you can argue, the Chiefs did did drum up a lot of pressure. So here's 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 his. You want to know his, his stats when blitzed, according to Pro Football Focus? Hit it. I know that they're pretty good. 43, 43 of seventy five for four hundred twenty yards, mm-hmm. which you know not that great. Six touchdowns and one interception. There you go. So when blitzed, he has six touchdowns. Yeah. You know. And, and he's had, he's had like four drops on those, on those blitzes too. So those drops, those drops are just, you know, they drive me up the wall. Yeah. Right. So, um, I mean, these are, this is like, you're going hot against a blitz and you drop the ball. Ouch. Um, so yeah, but yeah, it's, it's really just, just something about that Broncos game, man. They just, they just had it. Yeah. It was one of those, it was one, it was just, it was a weird outing. They just got out there. And it looked like they were mm-hmm. going to just smoke the the Broncos to start the game when they got on the board first, um, mm-hmm. with the fade. And it's seven nothing. You're like, okay, they're just going to beat these people down. No. <laughs> and then all of a sudden they got into a game. They started running the ball, and then all hell broke loose. And then of course they pulled Tua, and I changed my mind on it. I was with pulling Tua. I thought the offense was stale against the Broncos. I've seen enough. They should have kept them in. He yeah, might have brought us back have. and won the game. I think so. I think it was, I honestly believe that he was, he was starting to get things going, but there were some guys around him that were not ready to get things going yet. Mm-hmm. And there, you know, so there was penalties and there were drops and, and stuff like that. Um, but I think he was, I think he was doing what we're seeing him do now and what we're seeing, we've seen him do in the last couple of games. I think he was starting to get that, that going. And um, Brian Flores had to pull him off because, frankly, Chan Gailey wouldn't go hurry up with him. Yeah, I mean that was it. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm interested in seeing what you know what the Dolphins are gonna you know cook up for this coming Sunday because they're gonna play a good defensive unit, no matter how you slice it. It's still the Patriots. It's still Bill Belichick, and we can trust our defense against their offense, but our offense is gonna have to score some points. So mm-hmm. that's gonna be a really interesting matchup. We will talk about it on thursday as we preview dolphins patriots at home a must win the first must win of this season we will see you then thanks for listening to three yards per caddy you can subscribe via itunes on podbean or your usual podcast provider 